there's a degree of specialization in these things. And sometimes the group that tries to be all things to all people uh, is going to fail. So I think a lot of it's going to be about subcontracting and strategic partnering. Welcome to The Circuit Magazine, the number one source of information on protection matters, the industry-leading magazine for all security professionals who want to stay ahead of the game. This week for the Circuit Magazine podcast, we're going to try something slightly different. We're going to reflect on a recent session we ran with the one and only Patrick Kane, Security Director at Atlas Air, and Mark Ledlow, founder of Ledlow Security Group, at the Managed Security Services Forum, Los Angeles County. Why are we doing this? Well, it was actually a really engaging session where we looked at exactly why executive protection and corporate security are going to have to be at the heart of any new managed security service program. And at first, you might think, yes, of course, and we're a little biased. However, because of the economies of scale that managed security service uh, providers offer, it's only natural that you're going to effectively outsource it. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to become a hacker. It just means that perhaps if your client wants a particular service, you know who to call. Many of you are not TSCM specialists, and many of you will bring in that expertise. Now, it doesn't have to be anything too complex. It could just be a partnership to begin with. However, in the future, the managed security service that people know of as truly cyber is going to have to face up to the physical reality of the world in which they live. So all in all, I hope you like today's session. I think it brings something slightly different to the podcast. Of course, we are going to be doing the thematic interviews and exposés on many, many topics that keep you, the listener, awake at night. But please do let us know how this goes. So let's get into it. Let's talk with Patrick Kane and Mark Ledlow, and let's look at the way in which physical security, EP, fits squarely in the managed security service of tomorrow. And now, let's meet one of the contributors to The Circuit magazine. We're delighted to welcome Patrick Kane, Senior Director of Security at Atlas Air, Mark Ledlow, owner at Ledlow Security Group, and I hope to shed some light on the modernized physical security service, the modernized corporate security service, and get people thinking in terms of risk management rather than cybersecurity specifically. How's it been going, Patrick? It's excellent. I'm always interested in having a little bit of an understanding of cyber. One of these things where I'm sure I won't ever be an expert at it, but at least having a little bit of understanding is always helpful. Absolutely. And, uh, and, and, and the same for you, Mark. How's it been? Yes. You know, it's eye-opening knowing where the future is in security. There's so many experts that you have on your program on the panels that it's like, oh, it's just not a, not just a bodyguard business, not just an exact protection industry. It's so much deeper that so much more intrinsic, and uh, there's so many variables that cover the word security in the corporate arena. And you know, <clears throat> beyond the obvious, the fact that 
IT security will need some kinetic response at some time for some reason, uh, not least if we do move into the current economic climate, you know, let's say we're not allowed to say recession, um, you know, <laughs> it, 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 you're going to see the need to work with your physical security partners. So let's paint a picture. Um, and, and I'll start with you, Mark. Just to, to help our cyber colleagues see some synergy, how has corporate security modernized, especially over the last two years? Has there been any new offerings, especially when corporate security wasn't allowed in the office, wasn't allowed to travel? Yes, like night and day difference. You know, I think the, the awakening for me was when I attended, not to plug Ontic, for example, but I was at the conference and also following LinkedIn, I'm seeing a lot of corporate uh, roles for protective intelligence, more roles in that role versus building an executive protection program. And I think what's happening and taking place is, you know, they have to justify to their shareholders why they need an executive protection team or protective and uh, protective security team. They have to, you know, that comes out of the bottom line of that corporation. And if they can do intelligence enough with data and numbers and facts to show proof, hey, this is why we need to protect our CEO or C-suite, because these numbers, these raw materials show us these are the forecasts in this industry that we're in. And I think that's the new the new era of security and cyber as well. Cyber is right there. It's you know, we got we have more cyber attacks internationally than we do have bombs, you know, going off. Because cyber, you know, you go in the, the dark web and you can get I mean, anybody you want and everything's up for a price. And it's the dark web, you know, auctioning off for threats, whether it's utility grids, whether it's water, whether it's uh branding threats to corporation branding. There's so many things besides, you know, the bodyguard, which what world where I come from. So that's kind of what I'm seeing is protective intelligence is the future of physical security. Absolutely. If you imagine all these executives um, ranging from tech bros, uh, maybe there's not so many crypto billionaires anymore, but, you know, pe <laughs> people who are just realizing that they need to protect their person and they're like, wait a minute, but I've spent all this on cyber. But 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 now I need to protect cargo. I need to protect people. Um, Patrick, do you think people are, are waking up to this? Because as far as I understand, Patrick, there is a big shortage of EP personnel and other physical security in the States. Yeah, I think in general, two of the things we've seen out of uh, uh, the, the whole pandemic has been uh, in terms of opportunities, I think we've highlighted for our stakeholders the impact a crisis is able to have. So I think there's a, a kind of new appreciation of the safety and security function within organizations that perhaps, I won't say was absent before, but I don't think the impact was as clearly understood. But now after having a global event like we've had with the pandemic, I think every, everybody's been impacted in some shape or form. So I think there's a greater stakeholder understanding of the importance of our function uh, I think in terms of challenges, though, um, there are quite a few. I mean, you have the the obvious ones that we've had in COVID, but there have also been a lot of second order ones in terms of the economic impact here in the United States and overseas all over the world. And as an end result, the impact you've seen a civil unrest and protest, uh, increased crime and so on. And to your, your, your uh, question about EP personnel and just in general personnel, I think there's been a concern about capabilities. Um, we're clearly 
overall in a situation where there's a, a shortage of employees uh, across a variety of separate sectors. So being able to find people and find quality people, I think is probably more challenging than it's ever been before. Uh, now we have workforces which are dispersed, where we have uh, hybrid environments, we have people at home who otherwise were in the office. And what's the responsibility of an organization now to be concerned about the individual safety and security and situation of each of those employees in their in their separate home home offices and so forth. And then as far as, as overseas as well, too, I mean, understanding that we have to support operations overseas, what impact has this had on our, our, our providers? Do we need to stop back? And we talked about this before in other, other particular forms and so forth, but do we need to stop back and evaluate our providers, our transportation security and our hotels and so forth? in other areas and make sure they still have the capabilities that they had prior to uh, 2020, early 2020. Yeah, absolutely. Because now we can be very sure there are no safe locations, right? We know what is a hot zone and we know what is not a hot zone. Okay, that much is clear. But truly safe when when in the middle of the last two years, maybe a, a doctor would not be available in a major European city. That That's new. You know, lots of things to think about. And pe people might say, well, hang on. Why are we talking physical security at an MSS event? And what I like to always do is to say, think more broadly. MSS, I know there's a difference between the managed service provider who is often constructed by a business person. They want to provide someone's IT. I get it. And the MSS, it's someone that's been, you know, through the ranks of cyber and infosec and they're, they're, they're building out a specific service. But at the end of the day, it's a service. It's a value-added reseller. So you don't necessarily do your own pen testing. You farm it out to someone. You don't necessarily uh, uh, install your own CCTV cameras. You might work with a third party. And with the advent of biometric CCTV identity, act identity access management merging with a lot of physical security technology, there are. IT managed service providers that are offering physical security solutions. And there are some of the big physical security, uh, EP even providers who are now offering cyber. Okay. So I push back on the notion that we shouldn't talk about it because it's just another revenue stream. It's just another string to your bow. So there's no reason why you Mark, can't partner with a cyber uh, MSS and, and, and offer that. Um, there's no reason why they can't partner with you and offer your services. Um, I, I'd, I'd be interested in your thoughts for the future of that, Mark. It's going to be, uh, well, if I had a crystal ball, I'd be a billionaire. And so I don't. But what I see happening, domestically, we have the midterm elections, of course. And we have a polarized country is what the media tells us. The media tells us we have a polarized society, which is calling this rift. But if you talk to people around the country, you know, we're more unified than ever. And so it's uh, propaganda. You know, that's a threat now. Propaganda machines where they're coming from foreign ages. We don't know. We have to talk to the CIA folks over there and, and, you know, NSA folks to figure out what's really going on. But I think we have a false sense of what's really happening around the world. And we're only told so, so much source information from our media outlets. You know, that's one issue that we have. We have. You know, it's going to be a we call it the summer rage from a physical standpoint. And I have a lot of site security needs here. 
Uh, as far as cyber goes, I think that's going to be an ongoing thing. We'll probably put that in propaganda, you know, cybersecurity type of thing. And I think I think the win for the industry is going to be protective intelligence. I think if we can master our intelligence, master uh, the information coming across desk, we can make accurate forecast on where we need to uh, mitigate risk. Where those risks are, you know, protests, rioting, supply chain issues. I'm hearing we're going to have food shortages in the future because of the shortage of beef. Is that propaganda? I don't know. I'm not a farmer. I don't, I don't sit on the agriculture board, so I don't know. But there's a lot of information being fed to us. My question is, is it true information? Is it real? And that's why protective intelligence is so needed right now. I think that's why corporations are going that direction because they go, well, we see value there. They'll see more value there. And like Patrick said, you got to protect, you know, the stakeholders' interests in, you know, in the company and the brand, protect that brand. And so I see um, just branding, you know, had social media issues. And if you're a corporate, you know, entity and you have kids and you're, you know, high net worth family, let's say you're the CEO of XYZ company and your kids are all over social media and, you know, doing updates like the Kardashians of where you're going, you know, you, you create yourself a target, especially you're down in Mexico with the cartels. And then not only mention cartel, we have this thing called, you know, they're lacing the drugs. And I just had a, a, a conversation with a buddy of mine who was overseeing a hotel and this uh, guest at the hotel overdosed on marijuana because it was laced with the stuff fentanyl from over in China. And that stuff's making its way into our country right now. It's going all over the place. And it's, uh, it's, a, it's a actually, it's a war. It's a war on drugs. And um, micro or not, yeah, it's, uh, it's here. And so we have so many things coming, you know, so many different weapons being weaponized against us. If you're overseas, you got, you know, you're trying to survive in Ukraine with that. The Europeans are trying to figure out what's going on. There's so much stuff. And, uh, you know, cyber's one. But we, what, what great thing about security is we so have so many experts in their uh, geniuses that they know how to play this, the game of protecting our infrastructure. You have cyber, you have intelligence, you have, you know, bodyguards, and you have, you know, supply chain. I think supply chain is going to be a very big issue on the next wave of COVID, you know, in the next wave of, the mutations are going to be a thousand mutations. And I, you know, I was down with COVID for two months and uh, you know, we, whether you, you get the vaccine or do you believe the vaccine works, you know, there's so many parallels that we're being faced in a couple of years. So we live in an interesting time and uh, security is going to explode. I think it's going to be. And, much and, needed. and specifically you raised that, that term protective intelligence. And maybe that's the synergy. That's the synergy because the cyber threat Intel is applicable to a variety of scenarios, but what if protective intelligence could be integrated? Maybe in a SOC, maybe uh, travel risk intelligence, maybe protest intelligence, maybe, you know, uh, there's plenty of uh, fraud investigations going on. Yes, there's some things people can do behind a desk, but sometimes they send out a private investigator. And who's that? <laughs> you know, it's- Yeah, your investigation component. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we just did a huge job. It was about three weeks job doing surveillance up in Portland. We had four four people on that team, 12 hour shifts. And I'm like, holy cow, protect, uh, detective work is really skyrocketing. Investigations is blowing up. And, you know, investigations on pharmaceutical supply chains going on. That's going to be a big need, I think. They're going to have to ramp up, you know, medications and stuff for everybody. And something that's not being talked about right now, 
is the shortage of medical staff and nurses supporting people who are getting sick. There's a big shortage of nurses and doctors out there throughout the United States, huge shortage. And, pe and people are just burned out because of, we just had COVID. And so nobody's really talking about that, that issue yet. Everybody's kind of letting that just kind of lie down. It's kind of being quiet. Nobody wants to address it. But, you know, the next wave we have of infections and all that is going to blow the whole medical world upside down. So, so sort of following off from that, um, uh, but not with the medical component so much, but, but Patrick, do you, do you think that physical security is going to be a lot more in demand because maybe, maybe a cyber sock will say there's an incident or we're being attacked. Uh, why? And, and yes, there's international state actors and we won't be able to find out why. And then there's nation states and that's a, a real issue. But do you think that increasingly physical security will be the boots on the ground, <laughs> you know, like let's send them out. There's, there's a protest happening. Well, is there, it, you know, yeah, there's think, three people uh, with black cards. I think increasingly we're seeing an overlap. I think it's already happening. I think it's going to happen even more in the future. I mean, I think you, you, you hit an important aspect on when you mentioned about the uh, increasing um, requirements uh, of, of IT knowledge when you look at security technology. So like when you're looking at camera systems and things like that, if you were to go back 20 years, it wasn't as much of an issue. But now if you're involved in that space, you need to understand the kind of cyber aspects of that as well, too. And you need to understand there's potential compromise of those systems on the cyber side as well. So I think for the, the practitioner in the physical space, you need to have an understanding of that. And I think the um, we were speaking earlier about EP and the EP aspect of it. I think one of the things as we start looking at smart homes and smart cars and some of these other things, there are vulnerabilities now that exist that didn't exist before. And I think for providers who are protecting individuals who are at risk, either because of their income level or their public profile, I think we need to be concerned about the exploitation of those um, smart homes and smart cars and so forth as a possible vector for somebody to uh, inflict harm on that, on that person. Uh, as far as the security element or physical security element, being um being kind of on the ground yes i mean i think i think there's also a lot of opportunity for a sharing of intelligence between the cyber and physical sides and there was an organization uh that um that i was in in contact with speaking with that actually has a, a joint intel group so there's like a physical component a cyber component but on intelligence there's like a shared group and they um they uh exchange information on on the intel side particularly for areas which are overlapping both the cyber and physical so i think this is something we're going to see only only increasing and i think um that's why it's helpful for us to have a, an understanding of cyber you know it doesn't have to be in depth but at least the understanding at the forty thousand foot uh scale and then for our cyber colleagues to have some understanding of of our operations as well too i I had the opportunity to go speak at a cyber conference in early April. And uh, after I was through with the presentation, I was having a few cyber conversations and people were commenting on how many facets of the corporate side or physical side that they were not aware of or didn't understand. Uh, and they had more of a very, um, a very kind of uh, uh, like stereotypical image, I guess, of the physical side without understanding all the different uh, aspects of it. So. 
yeah the quote-unquote knuckle draggers um exactly which which exactly. i think i think you know the physical security community has adopted endearingly about itself but uh, it was meant uh, maybe in a in a different way um but but i think this all makes business sense so for one uh it makes business sense that i can bundle physical security solutions with my Big Mac and fries. No, with my, with my, uh, you know, with my cyber solutions, it makes business sense. Um, some people, like in the physical security world, we we have heard anecdotally of large companies using EP as a wedge to get a bigger contract for some other purpose. Okay, whether that's true or not, I don't know, but <laughs> it, it it wouldn't be beyond the realms of possibility for somebody to. Uh, use let's say cyber pen testing to have a wider managed security service uh, through the door, which means that it's possible to uh, go into a corporation and say, do you know what? Now I can have you covered from travel risk to reputational risk to uh, cyber threat intelligence to pen testing, and 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 um, and and also, Mark, you mentioned about propaganda, but I think. You will see fusion centers emerge, mm-hmm. and these fusion centers will be closed, and they'll be like, right. So, regardless of what the noise says, what's happening, and then they will partner with a physical security. I mean, is that happening even now? Because that that makes business sense to me, Mark. Yeah, I'm hearing. That's what I'm hearing. Like the one-stop shop. I mean, that's what these Fortune 100 to one Fortune 500 companies want. They want a one-stop shop. They don't want to t- call three different vendors to do two different jobs. To make it easier for that CSO, they would rather make one phone call to that one company that could take care of everything across the board. And I, I don't know if companies have adjusted their technology. I don't think they're there yet. I think they're probably fighting it because they have the old guard way of doing things. And now, you know, we have everybody working remotely. Well, there's a huge cyber crack right there if you're working remotely. And we don't, you don't really know what that employee is doing at home at the homework site you you know you can get think they're doing everything on the corporate laptop but there's there's chances for espionage there you know they're working off a of wi-fi from home how locked up is that wi-fi and you know people are are continuing to ex- expand the home from work model and there's like i know jamie diamond came out and said you're coming back to work tesla just hey hey you're if you want a job come back to work otherwise you're we're gonna let you go and so i think the one-stop shop is the future the industry and like Patrick was just saying, this is right now. You know, the manpower is lacking because a people want to go get sick. I was uh, attached to be um, support a, a certain bank, and we just couldn't find anybody that would was willing to work because they didn't want to get sick with COVID. And so that's going to be an ongoing issue with the up and coming people that work in the executive protection industry. They don't want to get sick, and then the other challenges too. A lot of corporations are demanding that people are vaccine um given the vaccine card and so a lot of people said no no thanks i don't want the vaccine so now we have the vaccine issue proving you have a shot they don't want the shot because they had their free choice and so that's we're running into that for manpower and it's uh i think all the you know all the companies come choose from the same pool of male and female ep agents they're all you know and then the you know the highest bidder is going to get the you know the winning contract and then they're going to pay the guards, what they're, you know, what that market value is worth. But as far as going back to your original question, I think it's going to be the one-stop shop. What Whoever that CSO can call directly, 
and get services rendered for a quality price, he's going to go to them every time. And I think it's going to be up to these, you know, big companies. You know, we have, I don't want to name names on your program, but we know who they are. Can they continue to deliver white glove service to these CSOs and the corporate entity? I don't know. I think things will be changing, evolving because cyber is rapidly changing and we always have ongoing new risk. You know, something's happening every day around the world. So that's kind of my thoughts on that. So, so we could see the one-stop shop or we could see the value-added reseller network stop shop where, mm. uh, you know, and so maybe that's a good question. Let's say, Patrick, let's say there's a predominantly tech-based company that thinks, do you know what? I need travel risk. I need international cargo risk. You know, what should they know before approaching such a provider to, to form a relationship? Yeah, I think there's a mix. I think you could argue either side of it. I mean, I do agree that there's value to having a one single point of contact, right? I mean, from an administrative standpoint, uh, invoicing, all sorts of other things. At the same time, I think we can, we can also agree that there's a degree of specialization in these things. And sometimes the group that tries to be all things to all people uh, is going to fail. So I think a lot of it's going to be about subcontracting and strategic partnering. And somebody like, for example, Mark, having a good partner on the cyber side, he can call when he has a client who's got that interest, right? So, so he doesn't have to take that on himself or try to learn that. You know, he and I, we both come from a background where we started off or whatever, shooting guns or smashing things, breaking things. But we have to know that there's other things out there beyond that. And we have to know the people we can call when the issue is an IT issue. And I think to your, your point about the pen testing, I mean, I think that's one of the things the cyber world is excellent at. And the question I have is, why does it stop there? I mean, why are we not looking at everything on the physical side as well from that adversarial uh, aspect or perspective? So I think ultimately the idea is you still need to have specialists, but maybe um, through like strategic partnerships and subcontracting and so forth, you can provide both a single, single contact point and the expertise at the same time. So maybe if we, if we draw some strings from all the things we've been talking about today, maybe, okay, so it's often said, oh, no, uh, you wouldn't start off as an oncologist and then become a GP. And, and that's why I don't think using a medical analogy is a good thing with security because you, you have people who, who, who have been in the special forces. It's their job. And security is a second job for them. It's not like that's the preparation course. It's the way in which people enter into the system. So we're not going to get away from that. But could we rather say that eventually we will see people progress to a risk manager, not in an actuarial sense, not like the, the insurers. That, that's, their, that's their spiel. That, that's what they do. But, but do you think, much as an EP agent might gravitate towards becoming a consultant and therefore an advisor, <clears throat> That's the real convergence because you'll find yourself as a risk manager, perhaps among people who who used to be in CyberMark. It, 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 is that a possible future? Yeah, I think that's where we're heading. I mean, we have to look at. I mean, our biggest employers are corporate, correct? And that special forces guy or gal, military guy or gal, they need to be able to blend in that corporate culture and accept the corporate culture. 
you just can't be uh, a special forces Navy SEAL and jump in with random example, let's call it Intel, and all of a sudden you have a job because you're a special forces. You have to be able to blend in with that corporate culture. And that corporate culture may be a little bit different from the military culture. And I think that's um, that's the, the changes and the shifts we're seeing right now in the industry is uh, corporations are wanting people with medical training and they want people that are you know risk adverse. How are, they, how are you going to save me risk? Are you, are you a good report writer on threat, or threat assessment and risk assessment when I go out and do a detail overseas? I had one uh, senior level uh, EP manager, I'm not going to name names, but that person asked me, um, the biggest, she told me the, the biggest concern she has is a lot of these EP agents don't know how to write reports. They don't know, they know the hard skills, they know the soft skills, but they don't know how to write a risk assessment or threat assessment. And that's just part of the game. That's one component of security. And we have to also be uh, aware, not only are we into security, but now we're into safety. Safety as in we have diseases running around. Are you are you versed in OSHA disease compliancy stuff like that? Are you into that? And I think we're so used to shooting and moving and grooving and ex- getting our principal off the X. There's a whole different expectations that corporations have for their security program. Yeah, they may be called a risk mitigation guy or gal, but I think that terminology to be accepted by corporate culture is changing too. They just don't want you to be the EP guy or gal. They want you to have a more broader experience and a more world view of how their corporation works. Because when you sit down on an interview and you're a vendor, they're the first thing they're asking you, what do you know about my company? Oh, I don't know anybody about your company. I'm just, a, I'm just a military guy. What do you know about my, what is our mission? What do we do? What do we make? And if, if you're a vendor, if you can't answer that question, you need, you need to sharpen your axe. You need to sharpen your pistol and go to go study, go to work and find out what are you doing in this industry? Yeah, this industry can be very lucrative and the money can be there, but you need to look, know more about your client than just uh, yourself. You need to study your client inside and out to find out where the risks are. So great, great question. Well, then hopefully that's a good note to finish on because I think the risk manager of the future is more accessible, isn't it? It's just better. As a trusted advisor, that terminology works across cyber. It works across physical. And yeah, value-added reseller, that works across physical. That works across cyber. And it it just takes the sting out of the alien nature of some other people. And, you know, people in cyber need to understand that even within physical security, there's different uh, communities that don't know each other. Like the loss prevention community do not talk so much to executive protection. Um, The gambling uh, security community, very, very tight-knit group. Uh, Don't talk so much to the healthcare security group. Uh, Don't talk to the maritime security group. You know, it's not not like alien groups are, are, are unusual. They exist everywhere. So perhaps by having a risk manager, a mindset, we can progress, or at least that's my hope. Hope so. <laughs> uh, well, well, Mark and Patrick, thanks for coming on. Let's give you a big virtual round of applause. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you very much. You have been listening to the Circuit Magazine podcast. Be sure to subscribe and be sure to not miss an episode.